This is Randy Moon, and welcome to the Holiday Moons Podcast, where we share our love for the holidays with you year-round. This is Cole, and I will be continuing my Universal Monster Movie series with the iconic Frankenstein. This is Beth, and I'm going to be talking about a 1950s Halloween in a small town. And this is Sydney, and I will be continuing my fall flavor series with apple cider. As always, we start with our holiday happenings. You might notice that Cole's sound is a little bit different than normal. It's because he's actually on the phone um, this week, so his sound quality might be a little bit off from the rest of us. What other holiday happenings do we have for this week? Well, we had a... um, Sydney and I discovered a addition to a favorite Starbucks drink. We like the um, iced chai tea latte. Sydney likes it like a lot. Mm-hmm. I like it, not probably as much as she does by any means. But um, I saw somebody had said add pumpkin cream cold foam and drink your drink through the cold foam, the pumpkin cream cold foam. So, uh, we got that, and oh my goodness, it is so good. It is. It's if remarkable. You, it is incredible. If you haven't tried it, and you liked chai tea lattes, I, chai tea lattes? I would suggest grabbing that, uh, going on down and asking for some pumpkin cream cold foam on top and giving it a shot. Let yeah. us know what you think. And I will say, I, I haven't figured out how to order it, like mobile order it. So, this oh, okay. may be one that um, you have to go through a drive through gotcha. or walk in. Yeah. yeah. True. We are recording this on the day before um, Columbus Day, uh, October 11th, and the leaves around here are really changing. We went up to pick up Beth's mom for a week of visit down here, and on our way up from Northern Virginia to Pennsylvania, there was a a lot of beautiful leaves um, all over the place, just beautiful. And since we learned in the last podcast, and the podcast before, about the chemical reactions that are occurring right now. Randy just pointed out all kinds of xanthophyll, carotenoid, and anthocyanin up and down the road. That's right. So xanthophyll, <laughs> xanthophyll with the yellow colors. Yep. Carotenoid is the orange colors. Correct. And anthocyanin yep. are the red colors, and that's the one that's the chemical reaction. Right. The yellows and oranges are in the leaves to right. begin with. And that they're just masked by the green until there's less light. Yes, and uh, the leaves have been... It looks like it's going to be a really good year for leaves and leaf colors this year. It's gorgeous out there. Yes. And the um, other holiday happening I know of is that on the 13th of October in a couple days is Prime Day. That's the day that Amazon has like its early Black Friday sales. I think they're going to do it starting now, starting Prime Day through... Uh, Black Friday, they'll be doing it certain days, but Target and Walmart are also matching that and doing sales on the 13th and 14th. I thought I thought Amazon was 12th and 13th. Is that not it's, true? I think it's the 13th, 14th. Oh, okay, all right, nice. Yeah. Target but, and uh, Walmart caught on and aren't going to let yep. Amazon get away yep. with having the most sales. Yeah, and well, we appreciate that. Right. <laughs> it works for the consumer. So the, by the time this gets posted, hopefully you'll have seen lots of good sales and um, we'll hope Hopefully, there'll be more sales to come in the weeks ahead for your Christmas and early shopping activities. Cole, what holiday happenings do you have to share? So yesterday, my uh, I went to a nearby kind of larger town with uh, my girlfriend and my roommates. And we went to go look around for Halloween stuff because we're all throwing a big Halloween party. Um, so... Yeah, so we went to a nearby larger town, which has a lot more uh, stores, and we started off at the mall over there, looking for Halloween decorations for the big uh, Halloween party that we're throwing on Halloween night, because it's actually on a Saturday night this year, which is awesome. Uh, So we went through, and there were not a whole lot of places that still had Halloween stuff. Like, there was an entire Halloween store in the mall, but it was nothing but costumes, like, no decorations at all. And then we went to, I believe, Michael's after that. We didn't have a ton of time, so we couldn't put up everywhere in town, but 
we went to Michael's, and they had Halloween stuff in the front, and it was a pretty large section, but it was still only one section of the store. And everything was, like, 40% off. Like, they wanted to clear it out. Wow, that's really early for for someone yeah. wanting to yeah, clear it out. It's only the 11th now when we're recording. We ended up getting, like, some hanging ghost pumpkin-headed things, giant wall-mounted skull chains that we could put up across doors or windows, a ton of spider webs that my girlfriend hung up all around the house. Yeah, so we, saw, a, we saw pictures of those. Those look fun. What was that? We saw pictures of those. Those look fun. Yeah. Yeah, so it was, uh, it was an exciting little excursion for the day. But, again, surprising that this early all the Halloween stuff is going away. Yeah, we've noticed a lot of Christmas stuff going up, which I'm okay with, but not less necessarily at the detriment of Halloween this early. Right. Especially since um, there are a lot of people in America for whom Halloween is their favorite holiday. Right. Right. It's not just like everyone, Christmas is everyone's favorite holiday. It's kind of a mixed bag. Right. Yeah, that's right. But in the spirit of spookiness, which is how I uh, direct everything in my life. <laughs> I didn't know that. Uh, yep, it's a revelation about me. We <laughs> moved from Dracula to Frankenstein, 1931, with maybe Boris Karloff's most iconic film role as Frankenstein's monster. So it is a pre-code... Uh, and it's the first science fiction horror movie. Now, the one kind of key difference in terms of my experience with Frankenstein versus my experience with Dracula is I've read the book Dracula, the original book. I have not read Mary Shelley's novel Frankenstein. Oh, that's funny. I've, I'm the opposite. I've read Frankenstein, but not Dracula. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so I don't have sort of this double-sided uh, insight into how accurate or inaccurate it is to the book. There are a few things that I can just determine from research, though, that are different and that pop up. Um, among them, Dr. Frankenstein in the film is called Dr. Henry Frankenstein. And his assistants... And his assistant, rather than Igor, is Fritz. Oh, that's interesting. Fritz. Now, confusingly, there is a Victor in the film, but he is not Frankenstein or uh, Dr. Waldman, who's Frankenstein's uh, sort of former mentor. So, the film Frankenstein begins with Edward Van Sloan, stepping out from behind the curtain to break the fourth wall and caution the audience before they see the film. He says, how do you do? It feels like it would be a little unkind to present this picture without just a word of friendly warning. We are about to unfold the story of Frankenstein, a man of science who sought to create a man after his own image without reckoning upon God. It is one of the strangest tales ever told. It deals with the two great mysteries of creation, life, and death. I think it will throw you. It may shock you. It might even horrify you. So if any of you feel like you do not care to subject your nerves such a strain, now's your chance to, uh, well, we warned you. That's funny. <laughs> now what year did that come out, Cole? This was 1931. 31, wow. Yeah, so they probably yep. know, knew the audience had never seen anything like this before. Right. And this, like the original Dracula, is clearly a film that is meant to frighten, as well as, like, there's no real campiness to this one. Hmm. Uh, and it was made for a budget of $262,000 and it had box office of $12 million. Wow. That's a so that's quite a turnaround mm -hmm. in terms of uh, 
investment there. Especially for that time period. Yeah, exactly. It takes place in the Bavarian Alps, where the young Henry Frankenstein and Fritz go around and piece together a human body. Some of the parts are stolen from freshly buried bodies in a cemetery, and some come from the bodies of recently hanged criminals. A lot of the elements of the bodies are imperfect, so he kind of takes what he needs. Like, he can't just take the body of one of the hanged criminals because their necks are snapped. So he needs to piece it together. In his laboratory, inside an abandoned watchtower, he wants to create a human, giving it life through electrical devices... A little ambiguous there, but through ambiguous electrical devices that he's perfected. He still needs a brain for the creation, though, and this is kind of the important part. So at a nearby school, his former teacher, Dr. Voldman, is still teaching, showing his class the brain of an average human being and the corrupted brain of a criminal so they can compare the two. Cole, when you said that he, um, the teacher was comparing the brains of the criminal and the regular person, did you mean the physical brain? Like he cut open the head of two people? So there are two jars, one with a regular brain and one with a corrupted brain. Interesting. How did they show that it was a corrupted brain? Do you remember? Uh, they just showed it kind of darker and a little kind of more... Murky? I guess twisted, like murky, kind of. Okay. They showed a physical difference between the two. Okay, interesting. Frankenstein sends Fritz to steal the healthy brain from Dr. Waldman's class during the night, but Fritz accidentally drops it and damages it, so he brings Frankenstein the corrupt brain instead. Ruh-roh. <laughs> Fritz. Fritz clearly thought that that would be perfectly fine. Yeah. Nothing Fritz is a corrupt. Yeah. I think that's one difference between the book and the movies is in the book it didn't the brain that they got didn't matter. Yeah. Yes. I think it was a, a nurture versus nature or right. kind of in this there was a clearly clearly a cause for the monster not being nice. Right. And that answer, that that helped the audience understand right. why it would happen like that. Yeah, okay. And Henry's fiancée, Elizabeth, is talking with their friend, Victor Maurice, about his peculiar actions and how he often secludes himself in his tower. It's not really clear who Victor is, other than a friend who is kind of interested in Elizabeth. Okay. But Elizabeth asks Victor and Dr. Waldman for help in understanding Henry's peculiar behavior. And Walden reveals he's aware that Frankenstein wants to create his own life. They're concerned for him, and they arrive at the lab during a storm, just as he's making his final preparations. And he is the still body wrapped in cloth on the iconic, uh, like, metal slab. Yep. Does he have bolts in his neck? The apparatus. You don't see the bolts yet. Okay. All right. Because he's wrapped in cloth. But with the storm raging outside, he's now discovered the energy that he needs to create life. And with a pulley system, Frankenstein and Fritz raise the operating table high into the room um, out of a skylight and towards the top of the tower. The creature and Frankenstein's equipment are exposed to the lightning storm, and it blasts them and empowers them. When they bring it down slowly, Frankenstein's hand begins to move, and maybe the most iconic line in the movie, Frankenstein shouts, It's alive. (laughs) It's alive! Yeah, I can hear it in my head. Wow, that's a lot of it's alive. <laughs> yep, <laughs> he's I, excited. I remember one, but there were a lot of them. Yeah, 
it was a lot of builds up, build up to the It's Alive. Yeah. Frankenstein's monster is as iconic as we all know it. And it's just crazy to think of the longevity of this icon. Because it's been almost a century now. And it's still one of the most recognizable monsters and people still parody it and try to remake this movie. The bolts in the neck. Um, Now the bolts in the neck... The bolts of the neck, I think, is another difference between the movie and the book. Is a bolts in the neck? Is that where he put electrodes? Or <laughs> yeah, something that's where he to, attaches like the jump start. Yeah, to give him the electricity. Yes. And um, what's with the um, flat head? Do you have any idea? No, it's not really explained. Okay. It's just kind that of a big, look, kind of rectangular the, head. The flat head, the yeah. tall brow, the mm-hmm. black hair. Uh, the kind of big, bulky body. Right. But despite its kind of horrifying appearance, it does seem to be kind of an innocent, have a childlike atmosphere about it. Hmm. Like it's just learning about the world. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Dr. Preissine welcomes it into his laboratory and asks it to sit, which it does. He does not ask it to shake or roll over. <laughs> <laughs> He then opens the roof, um, letting sunlight in, and the monster reaches up towards the sunlight, which it likes. Okay. Um, so maybe it's a little more like a cat than a dog. It's right. To <laughs> but then Fritz enters with a flaming torch, which frightens, the, uh, which frightens it. And his fright is mistaken by Frankenstein involvement as an attempt to attack them. So they chain it in the dungeon. Aww. They think that it's not fit for society and will wreak havoc at any chance. So they leave it locked up. And it's not really clear why Fritz does this, but he goes into the dungeon with a torch and a whip and just like waves the torch at it and whips it a bunch. He's the kind of guy know. that tortures like insects and animals when he was a kid. Yeah, I like it. Little psycho. Yeah, Fritz is uh, not a nice guy. I guess this is the first. They didn't really like build up to Fritz being a psycho or anything. Yeah, but this this is kind of the telltale, huh? Yeah, Fritz didn't get a, a whole lot of character development up to that point, and he doesn't get a whole lot more because there's a scream, and they come rushing in to find that he has been hung by his own whip. Well, that's kind of poetic justice. Yep. The monster lunges at the two of them, but they escape, locking the monster inside and realizing that it has to be destroyed. Eventually, they inject the monster with a sedative, and it falls unconscious. But as Waldman is trying to sort of take it apart, it wakes up and strangles him and escapes from the tower and wanders through the landscape. Kind of has a small encounter with a young farmer's daughter named Maria, who is not afraid of him, and is picking flowers to toss into the river. And the first scene of her, she's just like the world's cutest little girl. Yeah. Holding flowers. And the world's cutest kitten. Oh. When we see her. Uh, in the very next shot of her, she's not holding the kitten, so presumably in the way of cats, just ran off by itself. Oh, good job. Self-preservation. <laughs> yep. So she plays the game with the monster where they pick flowers and toss them into the river to watch them float, but the monster doesn't really understand the game. So he picks up Maria, thinking that she will float too, and throws her into the <laughs> river. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Which you would think is funny, except for the fact that she never reappears. Okay, so she can't actually swim or float. Nope. Or float. Monster's super upset, so he runs away. Frankenstein is about to be married to Elizabeth. So there's a lot of kind of marriage preparation scenes with, like, Baron Frankenstein, his father. But Victor rushes in saying that Dr. Walden has been strangled. And everyone suspects the monsters, especially after a scene where Maria's father arrives holding her. And kind of a, because the whole town is like celebrating. So it's like cheerly, cheery music and dancing. And it's 
kind of a neat and haunting shot of the father just kind of like glassy-eyed walking through all of the village and the celebrations holding like the limp corpse of his daughter. So then we get to the most... What I guess one of the most cliches in monster movies now, the mob. Yeah. Because everyone has got bloodhounds and torches and search parties. Kill the beast. Yeah. And they chase, exactly, kill the beast. It'll come to, uh, what is it, stalk us at night, something That's like right. that. That's right, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. But they split up at the search parties. It gets into a confrontation with Frankenstein at a windmill. Frankenstein then ends up being tossed over the side of the top of the windmill. Wait, wait, wait. He gets, you he mean the monster the, like, or Frankenstein? Frankenstein. Okay. The man. So, the mob encounters Frankenstein or the monster encounters Frankenstein? No. The monster encounters Frankenstein. Frankenstein is okay. leading one of the first parties to kill the monster. Okay. Okay, Um, Eventually, Frankenstein gets split off from the group, where he has a confrontation with his monster in the windmill. Okay, gotcha. He ends up getting tossed over the side of the windmill, hits one of the windmill blades, and falls to the ground. And I was like, oh my gosh, they killed Frankenstein. But he was flying. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little dazed. I'm not really sure how. It was a tall windmill, and he hit the windmill blade, like, with his back. Like, it definitely should have snapped his spine. But he was just kind of, like, woozy on the ground. Shake it off. Shake it off. (laughs) But they light the windmill on fire, which goes up in flames. The monster's trapped inside. And and it is burned. And in the course of this film, Frankenstein's monster is killed. Obviously, comes back for other films, but um, kind of in the same vein as Dracula, he is dead okay. here. Yeah, I think that's another difference with the book because I think in the book he wanders alone. Um, I forget now, exactly where. It's interesting because after Frankenstein, because there were a couple of controversial scenes in the movie. The scene where Frankenstein tosses a little girl into the river, um, or lake, it might have been a lake, was actually cut out, and they didn't find that footage until, like, decades later. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I remember the the people that rate movies didn't want that scene in because of the little girl drowning, like the the, intense thought of, even though you don't really see her drown. Mm-hmm. And now, something else that's interesting is several states, after Frankenstein, after the It's Alive, Frankenstein yells, in the name of God, now I know how it feels to be God. And several states in the U.S. cut out that line. Interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I enjoyed the movie a lot. It had a lot of ambiance to it, uh, kind of it had sweet scenes, but there was a, a menacing undertone. Uh, and it was it was one of those films that is clearly supposed to have a kind of a lesson about not playing, you know, playing God. And... Right. Yeah, and I think the book was that, but I think it was a lot more about what it means to be a person, like the nature yeah. versus nurture kind of thing. Like I they remember, created him. Well, right, and I remember the monster being, like, it was just sad. It was just sad. Like, the monster would try to understand society and fit in, but he just, I like, people just wouldn't accept him. Yeah, there's a yeah. scene where there's an old blind man takes that. her, takes him in, and, of course, he's not afraid of the monster because he doesn't really see him, right, which is part of the problem for most people. But he teaches him words, and they... Mm-hmm. He teaches him how to smoke cigarettes without, without <laughs> being frightened of the fire. Yeah. Like, kind of funny things like that. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. He teaches him yes. how to drink mead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounds like there are definitely a few differences there. But, um, yeah, definitely still very good film. And obviously the novel is, I have not read, but is phenomenal because of the longevity of it. 
Yeah, I could see in a, in the film why they would want to kill the monster, right? To have a definitive ending for people. If it's a scary concept, if it's one of the first scary science fiction kind of concepts, to go ahead and kill the monster at the end and have it be have that closure for the audience. Yeah. Right. And I could be wrong, but I believe Mary Shelley's Frankenstein is the is acknowledged as the first science fiction book. Yeah, I think it brought back, like, or at least started the science fiction. I think she was, like, 18 when she wrote it. Yeah, she was. Yeah. Oh, she wrote it, yeah, that's right. It was written in 1818. That's hilarious. Yeah. That's a book that's, uh... <laughs> yeah. That's lived a long life. That's the staying power. Yeah. 18 and 16. <laughs> Oh, no, 17 or 18, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So looking at Halloween and thinking about Halloween costumes, um, Frankenstein is a pretty iconic costume, too. That's yeah. something that you can that you think of as a Halloween costume when, when it comes up, along with Dracula um, and some other classics. Yeah, My, and I don't think it's super cool how, even now, those are still show up in the top ten. Yeah, that's right. They were talking about that a couple of weeks ago, how in the top ten costumes, um, for for all costumes, in the top ten costumes, that the classic movie monsters consistently show up in the bottom of the top ten. Yeah. So, my mom is here visiting, and she, I was asking her about Halloween when she was growing up. So... We're going to go back and look. Mom was born in 1945, so she. We were looking at. Um, we were looking at a Halloween for her when she was probably around 10 years old, right around that time frame. So in the mid 50s. She's one of seven kids, and there were like five older kids, and then uh, Space, and then two younger kids. So uh, this is really for the five older kids. She said that school was a big part of Halloween. And I remember that growing up, too. So this was, I'm not telling you when I was born and when I was 10 <laughs> years old, but it was uh, same for me. It, school was a huge Halloween kind of thing. Um, but this is interesting. So in the mid-50s, they did a lot of Halloween crafts. Each, each classroom had their own Halloween party. And now, you know, you think of Halloween class parties with cupcakes and the different snacks and stuff. And actually, there's a lot of similarities. She said that they would bring their costumes to school and put them on when they were in school. And then the classrooms would all dress up and go outside and line up and parade up and down the sidewalks. So they actually took them outside of the school. So I guess the neighborhood got to see them if they oh, came that's out. Funny. Yeah. In the, like a little parade. Yeah, like a little parade through the neighborhood. So then they went back to individual classrooms for their own Halloween party. That's so funny. So 20 years later in the mid-70s, which is when I was um, like in the early elementary school age, we did the same thing. You went outside? No, no. We went around the whole school so everybody in the school could see each other's costumes. Yes. And then we went back to our rooms for a party. And we did that too. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that these crazies took the kids right outside. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, these were people that didn't mind. It's like, okay, kids. Which is kind of fun for the neighbors. It is. Yeah. Yeah, It's a whole neighborhood. Got to see all these little kids. Um and this is interest. This is another interesting concept. She said they went back to the classroom for their individual parties then, and they got judged for the prettiest, the scariest, like this different. There were categories. different categories that they got judged in, and these people got judged. You either won or you lost. <laughs> Never, not everybody got a trophy. <laughs> there was no participation. There trophies. was no participation. Trophy. Either you were the prettiest or you were not the prettiest. <laughs> Either you were the scariest or you were not the scariest. And it's probably the teacher that judged. <laughs> I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then they had their party. And Mom said it was the same as a lot of parties now. They had like cupcakes, snacks, drinks. Um, I think the, I think either the school. I think either the school or the teacher provided them. Hey, Mom. What? Did the school and teacher provide the snacks and drinks? No, I think uh, the kids all, the parents all uh, donated something. Oh, okay. So there you go. I don't know if you could hear that, but um, no. Mom, I just asked Mom about that. And she said she thinks that the kids all brought stuff. So very similar to what happened when I was growing up, too. Yes. Um, and when I was growing up, 
she said that they they did all kinds of different crafts. I mean, I remember growing up and seeing like the teacher would do different like those lollipop ghosts and things, and then they'd hang yep. them and they'd would probably you know whatever crafts we did were hung all over the walls on the on the um, in the hallways and in the classroom. So you know the lollipop ghost. It's funny now to know that Tootsie Pops are like the number five most popular candy at ah, Halloween. That makes I'm not sense. a big fan of Tootsie Pops myself. I really like them. I really but a lot like of people too. really well, obviously <laughs> yeah. they're in the top five. Um, but it's so funny how simple that um, that craft is to make it into a little ghost to put little eyeballs on it. And that's had longevity. Yes, exactly. I mean, that's I have a tissue and a, and a Tootsie Pop. <laughs> that's right. Boom, you've got a ghost. <laughs> so um, she said when they were about 10 years old, they moved to this little town in Pennsylvania called Siglerville, if anybody knows that. It was, Shout out to Siglerville. That's right. <laughs> All you who live in Siglerville are listening. Um, it was a little different back then, but it was this little town and there were a lot of kids, and that's where she remembers, like, trick-or-treating and things like that. There was this place, and interestingly, it's called, Siglerville has this place called the Men's Club. Now, before anybody gets, like, all up in arms about the Men's Club, Mom and I can't remember why it's even called the Men's Club. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she said, I, I'm guessing it's like the men's got donations or, or made donations to do different things in the community. Now, why it wasn't Men's and Women's Club? Probably cultural. Probably time. We're talking mid-50s. Yes. Right. It's a result of the times. But, but, um, when I was pregnant with Sydney, um, mom had a baby shower for us at the Sigler Men's Club. That's funny. Isn't it? (laughs) That's hilarious. But, um, so, at the time, and again, this is with the five older kids, she said that they would have a huge Halloween party at the men's club. The men's club would sponsor it. Fun. Yeah, I know. And she said kids from like all the valleys and everywhere would come. So it wasn't just for the Sigmaville kids. So these these guys put on a big Halloween party. Um, again, they were um, contests for the, the costumes. Prettiest, scariest, you know, whatever. And she said that um, she, she was about 10 years old. So you, have, so you have a second chance. Yeah. You can, you can go to school and you can go to Sigmaville. That's right. <laughs> Take the feedback. That's right. So mom was saying that um, when she was about 10, she got it for the prettiest. Oh, fun. I know. Isn't that sweet? Does she remember what she dressed up as? Uh, no, not really. Probably, and I asked what kind of costumes they had, and she said they kind of rummaged around to their parents' things. Like, there were a lot of hunters for boys or hobos, and, um... Hobos were classic. <laughs> yeah. Hobos are, are still classic, I think. you could get, like, um, uh, charcoal. Yeah. kind of, like, charcoal up your face to make yep. it look dirty. And, oh, you yeah. need a bandana, a stick. Exactly. And some old clothes. Yep. I mean, you've got it if you had, Yeah. So, um, Which cracks me up because my mom used to warn me about hobos I when know. I was a kid. I remember. Hobos are bad. You don't get around hobos. I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen a hobo. <laughs> no, only at <laughs> Halloween. Right, yeah. <laughs> so the way they judged the costumes were that they, the kids all got in a line and marched around inside the men's club. And it was mm-hmm. a pretty big, it's a pretty big building. Sounds like it. It just doesn't sound good every time you say that. The men's club? Yes. <laughs> well, it's funny because it's such, um, it's it's almost like having the name of something and you forget what the name actually is because it's just what it is. Like, we have Bing Crosby Stadium, right? So it's just Bing Crosby Stadium. So it's like, I don't think of Bing Crosby when I think of the stadium because it's just Bing Crosby Stadium. We're just here, we've been here long enough that I don't really think about it anymore. The men's club, yeah, I agree. It sounds so funny, which is why I was asking mom how it became the men's club. But we're so used to it that mom grew up with it in the 50s. I grew up, it was there. And it was always this benevolent, really nice place. So contextually, there were men's clubs and there were women's clubs. I don't know. I've never heard of them. No, I'm telling you, there were. Okay. There were men's clubs and women's clubs. The women's clubs did women things. They had garden club. They had book club. They had... What, okay, cooking gotcha. clubs, they had things like sewing that. stuff, sewing yeah. clubs, and the men had men's club, which was usually like hunting, talking about hunting, <laughs> doing stuff for the community. They both were community oriented clubs, right? Sometimes it was not, sometimes it was exclusive, yeah, and sometimes it was just the fact that men and women had different interests and different clubs at the time, 
and I think this this was um, this seemed to be a community outreach thing. She said that they also provided snacks and drinks. So this was a big deal. And it was an, an opportunity to get with all the other kids in the area. And since it's rural Pennsylvania, um, this was a small town, but like mom had said, oh, they come from all the valleys and things. This was an opportunity for a lot of different kids to come together with for this really fun big party. Yeah, that sounds um, fun. She said, I said, did you bob for apples? She said, oh, I'm sure we did. So that's kind of gross to think about now, but <laughs> they probably loved it. All those different kids from everywhere. Yeah, that's why I was wondering what games they played, because bobbing for apples was big. I remember doing that. Yeah, I do too. You didn't, you didn't even think twice about it. No. Yeah. <laughs> Sticking your head in that water. Yeah, you just wanted that apple. <laughs> that's right. Why? I don't know. I know. It's in water. <laughs> was it, it wasn't a candy-coated apple. It wasn't. It was just an apple. <laughs> So, um, she said some, and then I was asking her more specifically about the costumes, and she said some of them were store-bought, probably more like, um, the girls would probably be more store-bought than the boys, because there are a lot of boys things that you could just get from your dad's closet, but there were girls things too. She said, I said, so what kind of things would girls dress up as? As I said, I'm guessing princesses, and she said, yeah, there's actually storybook characters, like Little Red Riding Hood, or Little Bo Peep. That kind of thing. So, and those are things you can also find in your mom's closet. Or a lot of parents, a lot of moms sewed. Right. So they could help them alter something they had or whatever. But uh, but anyway, it was really cute insight into a small town Halloween that really stepped up. The little town that stepped up for the kids. Which is a lot of fun. So, yeah. That yeah, was it's always... Neat- Interesting to see how people in different decades celebrated and uh, enjoyed yeah. their time. Well, and she was saying, she said, I, have, I haven't actually thought about that in a really long time. I mean, she's 75 now. So, you know, that's a while ago. So, yes, from the time she was 10. So, it was like, yeah, she's, she had a lot of fun just thinking through that and how her brothers and sisters and her would go do that. So, yeah, a lot of fun. Very fun. Well, one thing that appears, I'm sure, at many parties is apple cider. True. I have apple cider right in front of me. What? <laughs> Just as a brief description of apple cider, if you haven't tried it yet or ever. Apple cider is an unfiltered, unsweetened, non-alcoholic beverage made from apples. Though typically referred to simply as cider in the United States, it is not to be confused with the alcoholic beverage known as cider in other places, which is called hard cider in the U.S. Yes. So the liquid is extracted from an apple and all its components, and then that is boiled to concentration. The liquid can be extracted from the apple itself, the apple core, the trimmings from the apple, or apple culls. It is typically opaque due to the fine apple particles in suspension and generally hangier than commercial filtered apple juice. But this depends on the variety of apples used. True. Cider is typically pasteurized to kill bacteria and extend its shelf life, but untreated cider is also common. Uh, It's traditionally served on or around Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas, Mm -hmm. and various New Year's Eve holiday celebrations, sometimes heated and mulled. Which makes sense because apples begin to be in season at in the end of August, right? right? So the big season for apples would be the whole fall, early winter. Right. Yeah. And I think, I often think of it as a fall thing because when we go apple picking or pumpkin picking, a lot of times the farms will have apple cider that they've made on site. Right. Their own apple cider. But often for our Christmas party, I have made wassail, which is a cider with different spices in it. Mm -hmm. So it's also very much a Christmas treat. Yeah. Yeah. So if you remember the song, here we come, a wassailing among the leaves of green. So now you know what wassail is. Right. Yep. So to go a wassailing is not just to walk around drinking cider, though. <laughs> right. right. It's actually to sing, go caroling, isn't mm-hmm. it? I'm guessing. I don't know. I, I don't know. Sure. Yeah. It sounds like it from the song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like it should be more than just walking around drinking cider. Something to look up. Right. Yeah. There you go. Um, so another fun thing that apple farms may have are homemade apple cider donuts. Oh, so good. Right. So apple cider donuts are cake donuts made from a mixture of butter buttermilk batter, nutmeg, cinnamon, which we talked about last week, and apple cider. They are then fried and coated with enough cinnamon sugar to satisfy any sweet tooth. (laughs) The cider 
added to the batter makes the donuts especially moist and adds an understated sweetness to the dessert. So it is hard to pin down when exactly apple cider donuts became a fall favorite, but the creation seems to be a product of the early American colonies. In the days before refrigerators, falls were spent butchering meat so that it could be preserved and stored through the winter. This resulted in a lot of leftover animal fat that the colonists put to good use. They used it to fry up dough mixed with apples from the recent harvest and apple cider donuts were produced. Apple cider donuts kept a low profile until the early 1950s when they were reintroduced by the Donut Corporation of America as a part of its annual campaign to increase fall sales. Now, this was my first, um, I did not realize that there was a Donut Corporation of America. I just assumed it was Dunkin' Donuts. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was interesting as you were talking about it when we were in New Hampshire um, Randy and Sydney went and got a variety of Dunkin Donuts and one of the varieties was apple cider donuts and I I thought I loved apple cider donuts I took and I ate a couple bites and I was like mm, no and I was like oh I guess I just must not like them anymore so then we went to Great Country Farms for mm-hmm. apple picking and they had them there they and it was like yeah. it was like fresh right there oh right. my goodness what a difference but I do think it was the cake. It's also the cake batter. Once you said that, mm-hmm. it was a cake batter. And Dunkin' Donuts was more like a light, odd, for me, an odd kind of light donut. It's meant to last longer on the shelf, I think. At Dunkin'. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And But yeah, the, the apple cider donuts from Great Country Farms were amazing. Yeah. And I, I have to say, though, I am a Dunkin' Donut fan. I do love right. Dunkin' Donuts. We do. But yeah. not, I just don't care for their apple cider donuts. Yeah. So the, And obviously, so the apple cider donuts have stood the test of time ever since the Donut Corporation of America, I guess. Wow. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, you reintroduced them. Paired with the warm glass of apple cider for dipping, they are the perfect addition to any apple picking adventure. I also do not consider dipping them in apple cider. I always think of them as a uh, hot tea. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. An apple cider donut with some hot tea. Yum. Mm-hmm. Perfection. Yeah. And I will say, they are definitely very popular... On farms, or at least wherever they are homemade, you just yeah. see so many people with just so many donuts yeah. eating them. Yeah, and just buying. When we were at Great Country Farms, we stood socially distanced and masked mm-hmm. and waited for our turn to go up and order our things. And they just had donuts. They were just they were just trying to make as many as they could. People were just buying dozens and dozens and dozens. It of reminds them. me of uh, funnel cakes where they kind of make it yes. for you right then. It, yeah. That's where they're cranking through the, they the donuts. They were really doing it, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. No wonder, though. They were good. Yeah. I'm glad they don't live too close to us. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be hard to resist. I know. Too delicious. Yeah. And including um, apple cider, I made a list of other fun apple fall things that you can either do or are available in the fall that I think to experience. are yeah that I think are like signature to fall yeah some not so much some are like year round but um they're especially delicious in fall I think. yeah <laughs> so obviously apple cider apple cider donuts apple dumplings apple pie bobbing for apples which we mentioned earlier um, I think that's a dying art. Unless <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like one bucket per person. Right. Or like the one like dangling by a string, the yes. individual one. That's, I what I was, that. that's what I was thinking. I have seen a lot more of that. Yeah. Like dangling a, a, an apple. So yeah. the kids are all putting their face in. Yeah. I've seen the donuts too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Donuts for donuts. yeah. Um, caramel apples, candy apples. Just to note, Disney has all kinds, like tons of caramel candy apples. Yes. So many. Mold cider, which goes back to the apple cider. Um, apple cider muffins. Apple picking. Apple butter and apple sauce. So although apple butter and apple sauce are available all year round, fresh apple butter and fresh apple sauce are definitely very distinctive. Yes. Um, and delicious with fresh apples. And I will say my mom is just... She just got a bunch of apples and is making apple butter and applesauce for um, Christmas gifts. Yeah. So another idea for people. Yep. Yep. Another delicious thing. And then uh, apple scented candles, body wash. Yes. Anything like that. Right. Something that brings out the scent of fall. Now, I know that it's almost like apples and pumpkins are kind of, well, not really fighting, but like you, when you think of pumpkin scented things, you instantly think of fall. I think... Um, 
The same thing for apples, but I think recently the pumpkin has been kind of... Overshadowing? Yeah. Um, Bath and Body Works has one. I think it's called Apple Pumpkin. Apple Pumpkin. There's another apple scent, though. Um, and both are really good. Yeah, I was going to say, the apple pumpkin scent is yeah. really, really good. Yeah. It's well, like, good for you combining the two. I always think of apples as like a September thing, and mm-hmm. a pumpkin as like October, November. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think that's a lot of us too, because of, oh, bring your teacher an apple. Like, uh, as you start school, apples uh-huh. and teachers are all those, um, have that connotation too. Gotcha. As a kid, I remember... Um, liking the look of candy apples, the red candy covered yeah, they're apples. Pretty. They're pretty. But I enjoyed the caramel covered apples taste and availability better. Um, at one point, a company made these little like sheets, round sheets that you could melt over top of your yeah. apple Fun. and create and then put a um, stick in it. Stick yeah, in like it, a popsicle stick. Popsicle stick in it and make your own caramel covered apple. I bet they still have them. And we as, as uh, kids, teenagers, really enjoyed doing that. Mm-hmm. That was microwavable. So, Or you yeah. could do it on the stovetop. But I always enjoyed, the of the two, the caramel ones better. Oh, mm-hmm. Me too, yeah. yeah. So what what's your one of your favorite things, Mom? Apple dumplings. Mom oh, loves yeah. apple dumplings. Oh, Especially true. like at a renaissance or fall festival, renaissance festival yeah, kind of thing. Cool. I will say, though, the, like, the apple dumplings that my mom and I make mm-hmm. are my favorite. Definitely. No doubt. And it has that gooeyness at the bottom, and it's like, yeah. Yeah, mom is one of those people that likes to eat it with milk. <gasps> That's the downfall. I love <laughs> apple dumplings with milk. Yeah, my yeah. whole family does that. No. no, no, I'm sorry. Sorry, scratch that. <laughs> my parents, my brothers and I right. all did that. So yes. growing up, my nuclear family did that. Right. Um Neither. You're sitting here for God. Yeah, yum. Yeah. Uh, now I'm hungry for an apple dumpling with milk. Yeah. Or with ice cream for the rest of us. Right, yeah, everyone else has ice cream with it. And when we have guests, we offer ice cream. I don't say milk or ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> I just say, who wants ice cream? Right. And then if, I, or if we have company over, a lot of times I'll, you know, just eat ice cream with it. But yeah. yeah. My favorite, though, is milk. My favorite, I think, is your apple pie. I mean, I like, I like apple cider. I've been drinking that a lot lately. Mm-hmm. I mentioned the the caramel apples, but your apple pie is one above apple dumplings, even. Yeah, yeah I think so. It's pretty good. What about you, Cole? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I would agree. Um, the apple donuts from Great Country Farms are just unreal. Yeah. So I would put them really high up there in terms of favorite apple products, but I think your apple pie would be number one for me. Yeah, I think so as well. I think that's my number one, although I definitely do like. A variety of the different apple mm-hmm. um, items available in the fall. So it looks like I need to make apple pies. <laughs> uh, I, I think so too. No one would complain. That's right. Well, that's awesome. A lot of good, fun fall topics again. Our future festivities are for the week of October 26th. You'll notice the theme leading up to Halloween. October 26th is National Pumpkin Day. October 27th is National Black Cat Day. Okay, because of uh, Onyx, I was thinking of it. That's her day, the 27th. That's right. She is right over here. Let me see if I can get a, a word from the representative. <laughs> the black cat rep? <laughs> yep. Now, Autumn was in here a minute ago meowing like crazy. She's another black cat rep. Well, she's a tortoise. No, she doesn't seem talkative right now. Okay. The rep has nothing to say. <laughs> October 28th. October 28th is International Animation Day. October 29th is National Cat Day. Just apparently just regular National Cat Day. Mm. October 30th is the most controversial day of the year. National Candy Corn Day. Yeah, there you go. That's right. <laughs> Love it or hate it. It's one or the other. October 31st is Halloween. November 1st is Daylight Savings Time. That's, That's right. right. It's the beginning of November this year. It's hard to believe that we're saying things in November already. Where we, yeah. we fall behind. You can follow us on Twitter at Holiday underscore Moons. On Instagram, we are at Holiday Moons. On Facebook, you can find us by searching the Facebook search bar with Holiday Moons. We have a Facebook group and a Facebook page. And you can email us at any time at HolidayMoons at gmail.com. So for Randy... Beth and Sydney. Happy Happy Halloween.
gentlemen, bats and ghouls, Nicky, Minnie, and all their friends have come together at this spookiest time of year to say boo to you as they proudly present the not-so-scary Mickey's Boo to You Halloween Parade! <laughs> 